0: Welcome to the Numbers People podcast, where each week we're going to be speaking with some highly regarded senior finance professionals and career experts, looking into the ins and outs of what makes finance people and their teams great. The podcast is proudly sponsored by HPR Consulting, a leading executive finance recruitment firm. I'm your host, Richard Holmes. On today's episode, we welcome Anders Liu Lindbergh, Based over in Europe, Anders is a renowned finance business partner and leading advisor to senior finance and fp and leaders on how to succeed with business partnering. He is a respected speaker and he is the co-author of the book, Create Value as a Finance Business Partner. Having worked for large corporate for the majority of his career, he decided it was time to crack the code on business partnering and in 2018, Anders co-founded the Business Partnering Institute. He has nearly 60,000 followers on LinkedIn and people listen to what he says. Anders, how are you? Great to have you on the show.
1: I'm doing very well there, uh, Richard, and thanks a lot for having me. Always appreciate an opportunity to come and share my thoughts when people are willing to listen.
0: Whereabouts are you now, Anders? Are you in uh, in Denmark?
1: Yeah, so I'm in, uh, I'm in Copenhagen. We have summer coming, I guess it's winter, uh, winter down where you're at, and uh, actually the weather has turned out quite nice now, so uh, I just uh, need to enjoy it for as long as it lasts because you will never really know. <laughs>
0: I've invited Anders on the show because Anders came onto my radar a few years ago now, and he was quite prominent on LinkedIn, posting a lot of articles around finance business partnering. And here in Australia, that finance business partner term really came around a a few years ago and is really prominent these days. And I followed Anders on LinkedIn and connected with him a few years ago. And and Anders went from the corporate world and then he moved and set up his own business, the Business Partner Institute. And I was just saying just before I recorded this, Anders has got nearly 60,000 followers on LinkedIn, so what he's saying, people are listening. Good to get a different view in terms of what's happening in the rest of the world. Like we find in Australia, we are a couple of years behind in a lot of context from a business point of view. So I thought he'd be a great guest to have on the show and impart his wisdom and explain what what he's doing in his business and and then what we can do down here in uh, in Australia.
1: Thanks a lot for that. I mean, we established the Business Partner Institute back in 2018. After a few, you know, let's say one and a half years of conversation between myself and Michael, my co-founder to say, there's an opportunity here for finance in general to drive the value creation agenda rather than just uh, let's minimize the cost of finance agenda, which you really had seen in the past uh, 10 years, You know, offshoring, the outsourcing, the automation, and new systems coming in. It was kind of like you know this negative downsizing people are losing their job kind of agenda. But we knew that business partnering was a great opportunity for us to come back and say, well, it's not about minimizing costs; It's about creating value. And we, as finance professionals, have so many opportunities to create value. In fact, we talk about the unfair advantage of finance because we have commercial acumen, we have analytical capabilities, we have a cross value chain perspective, access to financial and non-financial data, and we have a seat at the table. I mean, who else in the business has that? No one. So we need to leverage this unfair advantage. But we also saw that you know, finance professionals across the world were struggling to actually do this. They were stuck. They knew they had to do it. They'd been told for five, 10 years, nothing really was happening on this agenda here. So we thought, hmm, perhaps we can come together and help unlock this potential. And that's what we did. So we found the company and it's definitely growing. And I think, of course, there was a bit of a stop around the pandemic when it was at its highest. But now, I mean, the market for business partnering is, is huge. It's growing and many companies are excited and I think the best thing that we are seeing is really that companies are willing to invest in their people, not just systems and technology. And I think that is really the trend that we will continue to see for the next uh, 10 years. So it's just a great time to be in finance.
0: Well, I completely agree, Anders. And listening to the other guests on the show, it's an exciting time to be in finance. Like you said, in terms of the breadth of the role we have in finance, it's a good place to be. The finance function is evolving. And as you said, even here in Australia, a lot of companies are realizing it's the people, Got to invest in the training and development of these finance business partners, and that's where it's going to be. So it's uh, is an interesting and exciting time.
1: Absolutely, but of course we have to recognize that it's hard to succeed with business partners, mm-hmm. right? Because it is just different from sitting, being an analyst, crunching some numbers behind a screen, where you you know you always just send the email or the report comes in some sort of a dashboard to whoever needs it. And you don't have this engagement and interaction with people, right? So you can generate a lot of insights, information that people don't know, but can help make better decisions. But you're not good at delivering this insight to them, so you're not influencing their decision making. If you don't have influence, you will have no impact. You will not be able to drive this value creation agenda, right? So that's why we say, when talking about business partner, we say insights times influence equal to impact. You know, drive performance management, optimizing the business, and so on. I think finance people are generally quite good at that. Yes, we can always do better. And with analytics and data science and all these fancy things coming in, we will generate even deeper and better insights. But it's the influence bit where we have struggled. We're not naturally relationship builders. We're not naturally great communicators. And we don't naturally have, a let's say, even a curiosity about what's going on in business. We're curious about the numbers. But honestly, the numbers tell you nothing if you don't know what's going on in the business. Right. So, I think these are three components that we really have to work hard on as finance professionals to be great business partners. And that's, of course, also where we have our main focus is really to, to help these finance professionals become, let's say, influencers in their companies so that they can drive better decision making and stronger execution.
0: And with your experience, Anders, and working in finance, Like it's known to be more conservative and is more reserved personalities within that function. I mean, from a people point of view, that learning of learning to influence and tell that story. I guess that's the big challenge for what you're trying to achieve for for all finance people to kind of break out the shell and sit in that room with sales and marketing and operations and and really kind of have that voice.
1: Absolutely. And of course, you know, we've been used to, you know, numbers needs to be 99, if not 100% correct, right? Otherwise, we have done a very poor job. And Mm. yes. Correctness and accuracy is important. The numbers need to be high quality. We don't want to go to the market with an accounting misstatement correction or something like that, right? You know, if you look internally, I think we need to move a lot more to the infamous or famous 80 20 principle. 8 percent is good enough to have a conversation. If you want to strive for 99% accuracy all the time, we get where we are right now, which is even finance business partners spending up to 70% of their time is crunching the numbers and doing some reporting. I'm not saying it's not needed, definitely not 70% of the time, because you have no time for partnering, and if you have no time for partnering, you will not become good at it. I reflect on myself, my own journey, and you know, I wish I had become good at it sooner, but it took me 10 years from my first heard about business partnering until I was a performing business partner. Things could have been done to shorten that journey. Also, you know, it's not natural for me as a finance professional either to be a business partner. So I had to Learn a lot, grow a lot, challenge myself a lot. But then when I was there, boy, he was nice. It was a, you know a fantastic feeling to have that impact. Days when I, I went to work in the morning, I was always you know happy to go to work, but you know, I went to work happily in the morning and thinking, okay, you know, I'm gonna do my work today. But when I went home, I was more energized than when I came to work because it's been such an impactful day with business stakeholders. I was like, wow, can we get this from finance? And oh, now we're really driving the agenda. And, and they were so happy about getting this support from their business partner. And I was so happy just to see it, it works, right? I mean, uh, you know, you've spent 10 years and suddenly it just clicks, it just works. I mean, it's a fantastic feeling. And I really just want to have many more finance professionals across the world having this feeling because mm-hmm. it's such a great sense of accomplishment and you're going to perform to much bigger heights in your role
0: when you crack this code. I can imagine. And, and just listening to you then, it's interesting for someone like yourself who took 10 years to finally put all the pieces together. And this is where where we need to be. And we hear that here in Australia where people are doing some really good commercial things, but that blend of experience, they're doing a lot of the more manual clunky work and it's taken up a big portion of the role. I mean, from your experience, Anders, is there a like a perfect kind of finance business partner duties and responsibilities in terms of where that position should look, because very much here in Australia, finance business partner, commercial manager, analyst, it's kind of blurring into one role. It's quite generic, very significantly, company to company in terms of their value of finance business partners and commercial. I think the key point is, I
1: think many profiles can actually be good business partners if you tell them exactly what it is and what it takes, because then they can make up their own choice and they will need to do some development. The key is, a good business partner spends their time differently. They spend their time working on the key priorities of their stakeholders, not some key finance priorities. You know, as long as we make sure we comply with statutory requirements and you know the finance systems works okay and the quality is, is kind of there, we don't need to do more. I mean, no one will praise us or give us a pat on the back if we if our numbers are ninety nine percent accurate. I'm not saying it's not important. No one in the business cares, right? They want us to come and help them work on their key priorities, help them meet or beat their targets. That's great business partnering. And I think you know, anyone can do that. Just go tomorrow, ask your main business day, if, if it's clear who that is. If it's not clear, you need to figure that out first. But let's say it's clear. Go ask them tomorrow. Hey, you know, I'm curious about you know, your business and what you're doing. You know, what are some of the key priorities you're working on at the moment? Then they'll tell you because people love to talk about what they do, right? I mean, here, we love to talk about what we do. So people love that stuff. So they'll tell you about it. Then you ask, okay, so you know, how can I help you solve some of those priorities? I'm not used to getting help from you, but you know, uh, just show me what you can do and let's talk about it, right? So the opportunity is there. And then you, know, you need to become like a problem solver, build that relationship. And you need to, of course, you, know, you also still need to do some analysis. I mean, there's, it's not that that is not there anymore. It's just a different kind of analysis where you say, what is it my stakeholder need? You know, analyze, you know, the situation and then come up with some potential solutions. That's what good business partners do. It's not so much about the
0: numbers, actually. And it sounds so simple, Anders. Just start by asking the basic questions. How can I help? And then they'll tell you something. And then that's what you're going to focus the value on. And this marketing manager or sales director needs this. And if you can give them that, it ultimately helps your career as well, doesn't it? Because you get respected.
1: And yeah, I love that you say simple, right? Because business partnering is simple. It's just hard to do because it's outside of our comfort zone. It's not difficult or complex to understand. Go talk to your stakeholder, find out what they're working on, help them deliver successfully on that, and just do it again and again. And your career will blossom, and you will probably become a manager, and then you'll help others do the same. Then you might become a head of finance or a CFO, and then you'll help even more do the same. And at the same time, you're just becoming... A more and more impactful business partner because you're going through the ranks as well, right? Go have the conversation, show them what you can do, come up with recommendations, take action, and get them feedback in terms of is it working or not. I applied those simple four-step after 10 years in my last role. It worked after three weeks. Three weeks in the role, they were telling me, Wow, we've never seen this from finance before. Let's do some more of that, right? So it is very, very simple. Of course, you know what you need to do, you feel let say, relatively comfortable doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's why we focus so much on giving people simple, practical, actionable tools. So for instance, to have this conversation with the stakeholder, we would say, okay, you know, first let's just map down what stakeholders you have. Maybe you just have one, maybe you have a few. What's your relationship with them? Do they trust you? Do they like you? What's their brand of you? And so on. And then you sort of, okay, who's actually the most important stakeholder is? Pick one of them. Then you go have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Top three priorities, what are those? and your plan for how to solve it. It's that simple.
0: Why aren't companies doing that, do you think?
1: So I guess they just have a lot of stuff to work through in terms of, yeah, they're still working on their finance transformation, automation, new platforms, new systems, and tools and whatnot. They're still working on this more digital transformation kind of agenda. But I think if you focus on the people, they will do great work. They will help create more value in the company. And they will free up resources so you can also fix, you know, everything you need to fix on the back end. Because, yes, there are always things we can do better on the back end. But, you know, take care of people first and then everything else will somehow magically sort itself out.
0: It's fascinating, Anders. When you focus on the people, the rest falls into place. I think it all stems from there. There's multiple famous quotes about getting that people ball function right and the rest follows.
1: And I think, you know, the people agenda historically has not been very strong in finance. You know, if you talk about the business partner agenda... I think many CFOs and senior finance leaders have probably been like pressured by the consulting firms, the big fours and whatnot to say this is something new you need to do. So they did something with almost like with one arm twisted behind their back. Of course, that wasn't effective. Now it's becoming more and more apparent that this is what they need to do. We also see senior finance leaders losing their jobs because they're not good business partners. It's not just no longer enough just to run a tight, efficient ship in finance. You cannot be The CEO's right hand or left hand, whatever you want, then you just didn't cut it anymore. They need more than just the financial expertise. Yes, that's also important, but they need you to help them make the best possible decision. Now more than ever, it's becoming clearer that it's the people agenda we need to focus on more. And I think the pandemic has helped in that sense. I mean, we are super busy. We always have to almost have to turn down clients because we don't have enough capacity to help them, but. We're running so many learning journeys with different companies to help them become better at business partnering. We're doing a lot of consulting engagements in terms of bigger organizational projects. That market just wasn't there 5, 10 years ago. But now it's there. It's very strong. There's just a few people that can deliver on this because it also requires that you have practical experience, that you've done the role. It's not just the consulting thing. You also have to have done the role because then you know daily reality and daily struggles that the people you try to help you know, change, what are they struggling with?
0: And you touched on it a couple of times, Anders, and, and we, we see and I, and I hear in the, the Nature of My Role where I'm not an extrovert, I'm not like that, it's not me kind of thing. But I've interviewed people throughout my career who are introvert, but they're very good at the job. And it is just about asking the right questions, intelligent questions. Like you don't have to start the party or anything like that. You can go into and have a chat with anyone, even if you're introvert. I do hear that as a bit of a bit of an excuse. We'd say more shy, reserved people. I mean, what would be your tips for those kind of people who want to do business partnering, but just feel I'm not that personality? Have you got any tips?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm an introvert myself. You will not necessarily be energized by everything you need to do to be a good business partner. Certain aspects will energize you. Other aspects will not. And yeah. I think in most roles, it's like that. So we just need to create awareness around what is it as part of the role that is not going to energize you. The thing about it but not energize you is that you're also a bit concerned about, you know, how is this relationship going to turn out? Are they gonna like me? Are they gonna hate me? Are they gonna say no to me? You know, what's gonna happen there? So the tips is really to have these simple tools or techniques that will help you. Let me give you an example, which is not for business partner as such, but something I, you know, I made networking a priority for myself. Learn to be good at networking. I was not good at it, I've got and I go into this room of people and I'm like. I'm just going to go to the corner and you're know, standing up in my mind. That's me, right? And I'm sure other people who are probably listening to this podcast will think the same thing. So I sort of try to read a bit and study a bit and say, okay, what can I do to become better at networking? And of course, you will find a lot of information. But what really did the trick for me was this simple thing of finding what's called an open three. So, three people in that room having a conversation in a relatively open stance. So, what that means is that they probably don't know each other but they're probably having a good conversation for whatever reason they found each other inside started this conversation. You know, me standing there alone in the corner, it's not likely someone is going to go talk to me, right? And it's not likely I'm going to go talk to them. So, you know, you don't want to find the loner, how sad it, whatever sounds. You need to get into the game. Find two people standing and have a conversation. It's very likely that they know each other already. Maybe they even came together. So it's probably more like private conversation It's going to be difficult to get into it. If you find more than three, you know, let's say four or five or six, it's more like a crowd, and it's most likely that one person is dominating this conversation. So they are really the conversation, the center of the conversation. And if you're lucky, maybe you can get a word in, but you don't expect to really be involved. And if the three, you find they stand really close together, maybe they also know each other, came together. And so Open 3, I used that trick, and suddenly networking just became a lot easier. I scouted the room. I found, okay, here's the Open 3. Let me just go there and say hi. And yes, it's still you know outside my comfort zone, but Ooh. I did it, and it worked no small tricks. It's same business partnering. I told you about this simple model we used We're going to have the conversation before, right? If you have simple, easy to understand and apply models like that, introverts will be great business partners, right? Because they have that reflection. I think they can ask great questions.
0: I completely agree, Anders. I mean, I know a lot of introverted people and they're brilliant. There's this perception business partners have to be Big personalities, an extrovert, and command the room kind of thing. I don't think that's the case at all. I think you can execute the position of a finance business partner even if you are a bit more shy, reserved, and in, introverted personality.
1: Unfortunately, of course, you do see in the many job descriptions that they do want extrovert people when they look for business partners, right? Because they feel, well, you know, you have to like going out there, talking to people, and doing all that stuff. You don't necessarily have to like things to be good at it. You just have to be comfortable with it. And then, of course, there has to be enough things in the right role that you're going to like. But yeah. I guarantee you, any finance professionals out there, introvert or extrovert, they will like the impact that they can have. They mm-hmm. can be like me, having more energy when I go home from work than when I came because I had impact, make people happy. I help them solve their goals and their priorities, right? If that's the goal, we can be happy about it, even though there will be certain elements that It's still uncomfortable for me today, right? If I had to go into a new business partner role, it would still be uncomfortable for me to go have the conversation, but I would know exactly how to run the conversation, what I would want to get out of it, and how it could help that person. I can execute it very, very well. So I have the confidence.
0: It's never as bad as what you anticipated. The first time you're speaking to that stakeholder, you've never spoken to before and asking those kind of questions, probably in your own head, you're thinking, oh, he's going to hate me and I'm going to look foolish. I'm sure that wasn't the case. We touched on the future of finance, and I think finance across the globe, not just here in Australia, very much is in that finance business partnering, data analytics. So I think it's kind of a crucial tool to have if you're making a career in finance. If you don't have that, obviously there's going to be niche technical roles all the time, but I think it's a crucial skill set to have.
1: Absolutely. I think you know if you can do the business partnering aspect, you can be a great finance professional anywhere in the world. You see these roles popping up all over the place. you know. Sometimes it's a multinational companies that are bringing it into the local context. In most of the major markets in the world, this is also coming locally. I don't have the numbers on this, right? But if you were to, let's say, every six months, maybe just do a search on open business partner roles on LinkedIn, for instance, I'm sure you would see a huge growth because it's just coming more and more. And yes, to some extent, you know, it's a fashion thing, right? Everyone needs to have business partners. I think we are in the wave now where these roles actually are going to count. Senior finance leaders are investing in the people, not just the tools and the tech.
0: With your knowledge as well, Anders, I mean, do you see in particular regions, countries have more of an appetite for business partnering? Or is Europe yeah. a lot more advanced than, say, Asia?
1: I think certain parts of Europe are definitely more advanced. You look at where I'm at in Denmark. I think Denmark is one of the most advanced uh, countries in the world in terms of business partnering. UK is certainly also up there because they probably started that movement in the first place. But if you go to, for instance, US, don't really see it. And I think first part of it is is it a role or is it just an activity slash mindset? It's first and foremost an activity or mindset, and then sometimes a role, but you don't see finance business partner roles, for instance, in the US. Mm-hmm. Right? There is all about the FPNA, financial planning and analysis. And by all means, they should do business partnering. I don't see it as a big theme there. So I think that's gonna come with full force in the next five to ten years. But if you look at Let's say, you know, I think Southeast Asia, you know, Australia also coming up, New Zealand. I think those are really popping up now, South Africa as well. So I think a lot of the, at least the old Commonwealth countries, at least they're really coming strong with this. It's just a big global trend that is just going to continue to grow significantly year over year. Right. So, so now is really the time to get on board the train if you're not already there. And if you're on the train, you'll become a great one because that's the route to the CFO suite now. You know, it's not going through the CPA and the auditor ranks anymore.
0: We've certainly seen a trend here in Australia the last few years where CFOs, senior finance people are going into that CEO MD role. It tended to go to, and it still does to a certain extent, to sales people who I think is, yeah, they play such a big part. Finance people in the business like you touched on before, it's exciting, isn't it? If you want to invest in yourself and have that little bit of confidence to ask those questions, uh, I mean, the world is your oyster.
1: And I actually think that their business partners can be great salespeople. Now I have you know, gone to the other side of the table, become an entrepreneur in my own company. And of course, you know, we are still small by any means, right? But we are, we are probably going from a startup to a scale up here in the next year. What I found is, so I've never done any selling in my life for Merce, right? I mean, never, ever. I think I went once on a sales call with another guy, but it was just at the end of it. So we really just had a lunch, right? Can I sell? I'm not sure. But what I found is that you know it's not this cold calling kind of thing or this used car salesman that people associate with selling. It's relationship building. And what is business partnering? It's relationship building. So if you're a good business partner, and you are in most industries, almost bound to be a good salesperson as well. That's key. You know, you're probably also a good candidate for becoming an MD of the company or something like that. I think it's so natural that we'll see more CFOs. I would not say that the CFO is going to be the route to the CEO spot, I don't think we're going to see more CFOs, certainly. And that's also what you're saying, Richard, going in that direction, either just out in the business or taking the top spot.
0: No, it's a fascinating marketplace. And I think it's only going to go in one direction. And like we've touched on if you're interested in it and you've got the confidence, I mean, you can really make a really great career in finance. What advice would you give? I mean, to the younger people coming up through finance and and they're listening to this podcast and hopefully click on your website, which I'll, I'll give everyone later, what are a good couple of tips for them?
1: You know, even though there's, you know, the change and transformation is still there, I think early on, it's very important that you still find some sort of way to get and understand the basics. You know, at the end of the day, you know, there's still some debit credit happening. There are still some classic financial processes. But as automation takes over more and more of that, you're going to be further and further removed from these processes and, you know, the handicraft of finance and accounting. I think, you know, mid to long term will pose kind of a danger to our whole profession because we still need that grounding. we still need to have the strength in the numbers. Or if you have actually no idea about how the numbers come about, you're going to be faced with lots of challenges because you are going to be asked sometimes, okay, so why is the number like this? And if you cannot answer, you know, then dead in the water, right? You might not be able to answer on the spot. Definitely be able to go back and figure out. So find a way to get the basics. So I still think there's valor in you know working in a big four for the first two or three years of your career, and you have to just get out and see different clients and see what they do and learn a bit about it, and you know go to an inventory account and find out how how to do that. You will learn some basics that will be invaluable for your thinking later on, not because you should be an accountant by trade and do the debit credit, but you just need to know how it works. And yep. it's difficult to find those roles in companies nowadays, right? Because it has been automated outsourced. So find a way to get the basics in the first two or three years. It might not be a very exciting or fantastic work, but it will help you a lot as you grow. Once you then have that, get into an analyst role, right? So you learn more about how to actually analyze and use the numbers. And then, you know, in those five years, you will have the foundation to starting your business partnering journey. Get that basics first, the foundation first, and go into the business partnering track.
0: I think that's really good advice as well. Get in the basics down, making sure you know what you're talking about. I mean, the... Probably the worst thing you could do is have a chat with non-finance stakeholders and not actually know <laughs> the background of what you're talking about. And I think it's that, having that natural curiosity, isn't it? How can you add value? I started in a
1: role as a controller. controller in Denmark is not like a controller in the US, so it's like, kind of like an entry-level uh, job for some, at least. And honestly, I didn't know much about you know, IFRS or accounting standards or anything like that. So I was sort of like just skating the surface and people were coming to me, asking questions that I, I had no idea, right? Get the basics right, and then then you can do all the things you want to do after.
0: For the audience as well, Anders used to work for Merck's Shipping, which are a huge global company. And I can imagine the finance team would have been fairly decent size and quite a matrix organization. Was it hard to make a name for yourself?
1: I don't think it was hard to make a name for yourself as such, right? Because, you know, I started in a graduate program. And, you know, towards the end of that program, we had the group CFO come in and say, now you need to be business partners, right? Move from the trunk of the car to the driver's seat and help be that co-driver, right? So, you know, all, we have heard all these words before, but that's what they came and tell us. So if you could be a business partner, you had a business partner role. I think it was easy to make a name for yourself. The business partnering we did back then was really uh, not that good if I look at it in hindsight. But those few that really did it well, looking back, I don't think I was part of them back then. They are VPs uh, today, right? Even though they started at the same time as me and I never made it to VP, right? So it was easy to make a name for yourself if you really knew how to
0: do it right away been great to have you on the show it's always insightful listening to people like yourself and i'll put uh, all your contact details if you want to reach out to you i know landers is very busy at the moment so uh, but look maybe talks so like you, you may come over to this part of the world and do some work i think your website is businesspartneringinstitute.org is that correct
1: right? yes you'll have to subscribe on linkedin to the newsletters there are one hundred thirty thousand subscribers by now but uh, they run every week with uh, lots of content coming out so feel free to go and subscribe to that feel free to sign up of course and you get straight into your email
0: I'll let you crack on with your day. I oh, know you're a busy guy and been a pleasure.